Hello. How you doing, Richie? Hey, Sailor. I'm doing great. Oh, interesting times, eh? <laughs> well, as great as great as I can be right now. Because yes, <laughs> Do you have cabin fever yet? <laughs> this is very unusual times for me right now. I'm 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 not used to sitting in in my apartment for for days on end. I, you know, I'm used to being out there and and talking to people's faces about whiskey. This is this is all outside my wheelhouse right now. I think this is outside of all of our wheelhouses. Um, same for me. I'm used to being back and forth between um, Seattle and Portland and uh, inland Northwest. And um, I can't remember the last time I was home for even four days consecutively. So this is strange. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's it's really odd, you know, um, being able to sleep in my own bed for like a week now. <laughs> It's unusual. I'm, I'm going to have to wash my sheets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is um, this is this is strange. We uh, so my husband and I decided to self quarantine for 14 days because we had been in Seattle so much, which is, as everybody knows, kind of the epicenter. Yeah. Um, and just, I'm a touchy, huggy person. So I must have hugged like hundreds of people in the, in the week prior. So I thought um, just to be safe since our parents are elderly and we want to help um, flatten the curve, we would stay home and make sure that we are, we are healthy for 14 days before we even attempted to visit family or friends, uh, which I think we still won't do until we get the go ahead from the medical community. Yeah, and that's, that's the right thing to do. I, I've been... Uh been inside since I got back from the Charleston Food and Wine Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, but that as well was, that was a very huggy event. I saw, <laughs> saw lots of industry uh, people who I just really, really love. Um, that's such a great event. I, I really love that one. It's one of my favorite ones of the year. Um, so yeah, so after I got back from that, we, we had the New Orleans Bourbon Festival uh, got canceled, um, which yep. is another one of my favorite ones of the year. Uh, yes. yes. So that was, that was such a shame. Uh, so I've been home since then. Yeah. Um, gosh, I did my, um, support tour. Um, I knew I was going to come home in quarantine and, um, strangely, I didn't know this was going to happen, but literally the day after I went and hit 33 places in greater Seattle, they shut down all bars and restaurants, um, so it, it, I definitely didn't time it like that, but that's just kind of how it played out. So, um, here we are, we are, um, in a virtual space and that's where we will continue to be for a while. Um, we are going to be bringing some really, really cool content, um, from the uncle nearest brand channel. And I'm so excited for everybody to see what we have planned. Yeah, it's going to be got, awesome. You, you're going to have some awesome stuff that you're going to oh, be rolling yeah. out. Oh, man. Everyone's got, got some great stuff lined up. You know, we have stuff just every day. Um, something new is going to be coming out um, that's going to be content that's really, truly on the level of almost a subscription streaming service. I mean, we're going to have some amazing stuff. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be doing something every Wednesday. Um, I think, is it at five o'clock? Did we decide that yet? Yes. Yep. yep. Five o'clock on Wednesdays. Um, and I'm going to be bringing in all, all, sorry. Yeah. Eastern time. Um, and I'm going to be bringing in all kinds of, uh, really 
amazing guest speakers to come and, and talk whiskey with me. Um, at, at virtually come and visit me at my home bar and, and sit and, and drink a whiskey with me. That's going to be really cool. And um, you've got some whiskey family members from our UN team that will be joining you also as co-hosts. Yeah, we've got um, uh, Matt Carlson's going to be uh, joining us from the West Coast uh, as much as he can. And um, then in Chicago, uh, we have uh, Chastity Beasley and Ian Hozak, who are just some of the best brand champions in that city. I love going up there to hang out with them. They are just they are they are just wonderful. I love them. Um, and uh, and then we'll have uh, Matt Neal, uh, who is our market manager or, or brand ambassador in in England, is going to be joining yeah. us on Wednesday too. Um, so for him, that'll be eleven p.m. at night. So he, he might. <laughs> He might already be a, a few more whiskeys deep, deeper than I. I was going to we... say we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to keep him in check. <laughs> I know, and I've seen Matt's home bar um, on online, so I, I know he's got plenty of choices when he's sitting at home. <laughs> I love it. It's going to be so fun, um, just for really the public to get to know our brand ambassadors better, and just kind of unparalleled access to all of us inside Uncle Nearest and. And um, we'll also be bringing in our uh, badass leaders, all the amazing ladies of Uncle Nearest um, on some of the shows. So that will be really cool as well. Yeah, really cool. That's, I mean, my piece is just Wednesdays. There's something every other day. There is. Every day of the week, you guys, seven days a week, we are going to have um, some really cool live and interactive content um, from Uncle Nearest. And um, Tuesdays also, by the way, is going to be really exciting because we're going to start bringing you um, photos and video and snippets of information from our distillery um, in Shelbyville, which is going to be really cool too, because even us um, brand ambassadors sometimes don't know what's going on there. And, you know, we have to ask and say, hey, guys, you know, send me a picture of what this looks like because it's ever changing as it's being built out. So um, really looking forward to that as well. Oh, yeah, that'll be great. Maybe we should maybe we should take all our, our viewers on a virtual tour of our distillery for everyone who hasn't been there yet. Maybe that can... would be so fun. Yeah, take them into all the all the new uh, incredible stuff we're putting up, and and they can just see how beautiful it is. That place is yes. just spectacular. I, I I can't wait to get down there again. Oh, me too. That place is so gorgeous. I was supposed to be there in just a few <laughs> few weeks' time, and then go on my honeymoon finally to Hawaii. But looks like we'll be postponing <laughs> those trips. I know, I know, Damn and it, it gets, <laughs> and that means I I don't get to hang out with my best friend in the world, Sherry Moore, as, as often I now. Know. Oh, I know. she's just down there at, at the distillery by herself. Um, just oh man. Oh, it's just well, that, that's going to be one of the things I look forward to the most. I, I love that lady more than anything. We will do it virtually. So we will we will keep us all together virtually until we can get down there physically. And, you know, Sherry is such a, a social person. I'm sure this is this is really hard for her. <laughs> I I, she's probably sitting at home just itching <laughs> to get outside. I'm sure she is. So it'll be great that we can connect with her and um, maybe we can ask her to give us the tour. That would be super fun. That would be. That'd be incredible. Yay. So 
Um, yeah, guys. So you can um, check out stuff here. Um, we will be um, putting all of the content on our podcast um, that is video related. Um, and then we will have all kinds of live events on Instagram. And we are also going to have some live events that you'll be able to join in Zoom. So it will be kind of virtual whiskey tastings, vir- virtual happy hours, virtual cocktail classes, and things like that. And you will be able to come into those rooms with us and join us. So um, I look forward to seeing everybody and all of this fun stuff we have lined up. It's going to be exciting. Yay. <laughs> all right. So let's let's circle back, though, um, because... We, the last time we sat down together, we were talking about our experience at the Icons of Whiskey Awards in New York City, and we were talking about um, Victoria and our 1884 expression and the blending process um, and some of our juice that we have aging right now. But let's go back, and um, I want to hear about how you got your start and where you come from and how this all came to be. Oh my goodness. Salo, you want to know about my all my <laughs> deep I want uh, to know it all. deep roots in in the spirits industry. Oh, well, you know, it to be honest, it it really started um by chance. And and you know, I get asked this question a lot because um there is a million and one people who would just love to work in in the bourbon industry right now. And and you know, it's it's quite humbling to hear hear how many people um would just really give up everything to to do to be able to do do what we do um so it's it it's humbling and it makes me appreciate it every day to hear about it and i i often tell people that they're almost kind of baffled how i got into this industry because you know this is america's native spirit um is bourbon and an american whiskey um, it's just so deeply uh, rooted in in the cu- culture of American families, and um, and so people often are, are intrigued as to how I get in got into this, and and when I tell them, you know, it was just kind of by chance. They they kind of bat their eyelids at me a little bit as if to say, there's no way you just happen into a job like this. And so it's kind of a double edged sword. It was by chance initially, uh, but I, I quickly found a, a really strong passion for it. Um, and so that's kind of how I I was able to step up um, relatively quickly. Uh, so when I was in college, I went to college in uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, um, to a small Catholic school called Bellarmine. And while I was there, um, I played on the soccer team, and um, I was pretty active on campus. I, I was involved in a lot of uh, clubs and obviously sports. Um, I helped the school. Uh, with a lot of promotion, including I, I helped them with um, uh, the money raising uh, events that we did to to raise funds for uh, the new stadium. Um, so yeah, so I was pretty involved with you know the executive leadership team of of the college and uh, the president of the college at the time. Um, his name was Doctor McGowan, and his personal assistant was uh, just turned into being a great friend of mine. Uh, and she had a friend who worked for a marketing agency called MKTG. And MKTG are still around today. Um, and they're actually pretty big. They work mainly with uh, Diageo brands. Um, and oh. it just so happened that 
somebody uh, MKTG asked her if she knew any budding, enthusiastic, young, fresh graduates uh, who would be interested in working a very entry-level job uh, with Crown Royal uh, on a marketing campaign uh, called uh, the Crown Royal Affair. And so when I say entry-level sailor, I, I, I'm telling you, this was entry-level as it gets. I, it was cool. Don't get me wrong. I, I absolutely loved it. But what we did was um, we, we um, the, the Crown Royal Affair was essentially uh, an experiential marketing campaign uh, where we took a, a set uh, event around the country. So we were in a different city every weekend uh, and we executed relatively the same event. Um, and it was essentially a, a really giant dressed up sampling event uh, where we would sample all Crown Roll products, be open bar. Um, you know, we'd bring in um, amazing uh, DJs and, um, and entertainment. And Ooh, it was, fun. oh, it was a lot of fun, trust me. And you know, when you're fresh out of college to be on the road, <laughs> every oh, day yeah. is great oh, yeah, the dream come true oh it was the dream come true it was like you want to take me on the road every day to go to parties this is amazing know, right? and you're gonna give it. me per dm wow <laughs> so i get paid to do this what yeah, right and you know just a little sidebar when, when you're you know like 20 22 years old and you're in your first job and somebody's paying you per dm you go to subway for a, yes. for a five dollar sandwich every day for yeah. lunch, and yeah. then you try and keep the rest of the money. That's just yeah. <laughs> that's how you do it when you're yeah. when you're twenty two. So uh, yeah, so it was really cool. So we went to a lot of cities, uh, and these events were were quite extravagant. They were almost no expense spared. We would um, have you know high profile DJs or high profile entertainment. Like we uh, we did one um, at a. Uh, an event space in Washington DC called uh, Love. Uh, it's a nightclub. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still there or not, but it, it was on, I think, New York Street. And the mm. um, place was huge. I mean, it was packed. And and on the main floor, the entertainment we got, what we had was John Legend, which was a Whoa. huge hit. Yeah, that was, so that was really cool. So when I say we had like high profile stuff, it was really high profile stuff. Um, so that was a great introduction into, um, into, marketing campaigns in the industry although it was kind of a little bit of a jaded into introduction because <laughs> I, I thought it, it all was like that i was like wow so the liquor industry every event they just spend a hundred thousand dollars this is a, this right is a, yeah this is crazy right. so, <laughs> so it kind of gave me a little bit of a skewed perspective uh from the start but you know i adjusted and learned pretty quickly and so i did that for a year that was the first year after i graduated college and it wow. was uh, yeah and it was a set year the, the campaign was a year long so i knew i'd be working there for a year uh, so then after that, I went to uh, running some bars in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I felt pretty acclimatized with how, how bars worked uh, at the time. Um, I found out pretty quickly that I knew about 10% of it. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I, that was a big learning process for me. Um, so I, I ran one bar here in Louisville for about three years. And then I left there and went to be the beverage director uh, for Marriott. Uh, which was, uh, which was really, really beneficial for a, a few reasons. Um, obviously, I, I learned a lot more about how bigger operations work. Um, but that uh, the Marriott Hotel in Louisville really is kind of an epicenter for um, a lot of where the spirits industry 
base themselves and stay because uh, you know a lot of the spirits industry people from around the country slash around the world they all come to louisville kentucky for either meetings or barrel selections um and so you have a high concentration of of industry people staying in the marriott um all the time so i've got to interact with so many people in, in the whiskey industry uh, during that job it was really a game changer for me i developed a lot of relationships really extended my um my whiskey knowledge to a completely different level with the help of of a lot of the uh, distillery reps uh, who mm-hmm, I became friends mm-hmm. with. So it was mm-hmm. massively beneficial. I cannot tell you how beneficial it is to, yeah. to be friends with with your distillery reps. I mean, um, oh, it's huge. You learn. I mean, and it's funny. Don't you see that now on the flip side? Like I I can tell some of the people in some of my accounts that I've been dealing with even for less than a year that want to learn their knowledge has just and I'm I'm excited you know, to share my knowledge with them. It's so beneficial. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, the you can research online and, and find out information, uh, but the wealth of knowledge you can get from your distributor reps is unprecedented. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I really learned that that pretty heavily um, and, and used it to my benefit and became friends with a lot of people. Uh, so then uh, a job became open with, uh, with, with Beam. At the time, it was Beam Inc., um, and I was working uh, with Southern Glazers in Kentucky. And, uh, and so that position was working in mainly an on-premise role uh, and being a, a brand liaison between our top on-premise accounts uh, in Kentucky and, um, uh, and the distilleries uh, mm-hmm. and the brands. Um, but majority of what I, I ended up doing was a lot of education um, for the industry uh, and for internally within Beam, um, and so that that then again was you know I, you always think wow I, I know a lot until you <laughs> hang out with people who really know a lot really know a lot right? oh yeah <laughs> and so with, when I was in that job you know one of the coolest things was I really became personal friends with um, a, a lot of the people who genuinely are the heart and soul of the Kentucky whiskey industry. Um, so folks, folks like, like Fred, no, um, uh, Greg Davis, um, people who are, are genuinely, uh, in the epicenter of what is happening in the industry every day, uh, Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith. Um, uh, he's, he's a beam and he's one of the unsung heroes, uh, of the, the whiskey industry. I, I really feel like he doesn't get enough, enough credit for what he's bought. Um, he's the guy who oversaw the Makers 46 project. He was the uh, head, head distiller at Makers uh, during the inception of that project. Uh, and then he Sounds went- like in- you need to bring him on to your Whiskey Wednesday oh, show. Oh, maybe I should. <laughs> oh, he, There you go. Yeah, he, he, is, he is a really, really great guy. But you know what? Um, some of his contributions to the whiskey, whiskey industry are uh, really unprecedented. And now in his role at Beam, his the contributions that that he brings now are in terms of um, of lobbying for the distilled spirits industry in Kentucky. Um, so that. yeah, so he uh, he is in constant communication uh, with people like Discus uh, and and the governor um, to create bills and 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 laws that are beneficial for 
the distilled spirits industry, but also beneficial for the people of Kentucky. Uh, so mm-hmm. he is truly an unsung hero in the industry. Oh, yeah. Big um, time. Yeah. So he's great. So I, I just got to know all these people very, very well, uh, became really genuine friends with them, you know, uh, to the point where, uh, you know, Sundays, if I, I wanted to roll over to Fred's house and, and go eat dinner with him, him and his family on a Sunday, I, I, I could and I, I would sometimes, you know, and, and Greg Davis, he, we would go out to his lake house on weekends sometimes, and I would pretend I knew how to water ski, and uh, <laughs> and he would watch me make a fool of myself. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so that was really it. And so um, then over my – I was there for five years doing that job, and um, uh, it was really uh, probably the most intensely beneficial uh, curve period uh, of my career. Um just learning so much intimately the actual inner workings of, of how this this industry and how a distillery operates and um, and so then I, I left and started a uh, my own consulting company um, and that is how I got introduced uh, to Uncle Nearest um, so I started working for Uncle Nearest and and Fawn and Kate and Steve uh, on a part time basis in Kentucky um, representing the brand and and doing um, some sales and, and, and staff training, uh, presentations, education, uh, all the stuff that people are, are used to me doing. Um, and you know, sailor, I don't know if you noticed, but uncle nearest grew really quickly. I yes. mean, we, like a wildfire, like a wildfire. It's just been yeah. such a wild ride. So, um, so my role with uncle nearest just, just escalated very quickly. Um, went from from the conversation I, I first had with Steve, and I'll never forget it. Um, I was I was at home in my apartment, and um, I get a phone call from a Tennessee number, uh, which doesn't happen too often. And um, I thought, oh, you know what? This is this has got to be somebody from Uncle Nearest calling me. And uh, I picked the phone up, and it was Steve Henderson. And I I actually knew through the grapevine who Steve was uh, anyway. Okay. And, but I didn't know him uh, as, as a friend. So, um, so we just had kind of what I thought was going to be uh, a very, you know, traditional rigid uh, conversation about, about work. Um, and after this conversation, I, I knew that me and Steve were going to be great buddies and um, that this was going to be the company that I wanted to work for because Steve was so incredibly friendly um, and um, he was in a very loud environment when he called me. I I noticed it almost immediately um, because when I was picturing him, uh, the noise in the background made me picture him with his phone on one ear and his finger in the other ear. And and there was a whole bunch of hustle and bustle going on in the background. And and, um, eventually I asked, what's going on back there? It kind of sounds like a party. And he was like, oh, sorry. I, I wasn't sure if you could hear that. Uh, yeah, I'm actually on a party bus right now on my way to the distillery with a bunch of bartenders. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. And at that that's moment, so yeah, and at that moment, I knew. That's what I knew. This is, wow, what a great guy. What a great company. Uh, and, and that's it. And so that that's when my journey with Uncle Nearest began. I love it. I love it. I love how the path to, um, for all of us, it was such an interesting winding road. Um, 
It's it's very similar for me. And it's this is definitely one of those industries because you bring up such a good point about knowing people. And it's not knowing people to be like, oh, look how cool I am. I know people. It's it's a, it's we really are when we say whiskey family and we say that for ourselves inside the uncle nearest team but we also mean anyone that works in the whiskey business we really do feel like a family and there's a lot of camaraderie and um i don't i don't ever feel like we're in competition with each other i think cuz we all know you know on everyone's shelf there's we all have so many different brands of whiskey we want to uplift each other. And I think that's so special and unique about this business. And it's certainly one of the things I really love. Yeah, it's, it's so right. They're, everyone is just so willing to help each other out. It, it, and we are technically, we're in competition. We're fighting for space on the shelves. Um, now we're all just working to kick vodka off the shelves. <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, are we trying to kick uh, Boone's Farm off the shelf? I heard yeah, there that, you that go. Was your, your favorite drink as a teenager. <laughs> that was fun last night. <laughs> that was fun. I can't they even talk. make that shit anymore. Oh God, I hope not. You know, and I if anyone didn't hear us on, uh, we were doing an Instagram live uh, last night, and me and Sada were talking about our first bottles of booze that we ever ever bought, and so, <laughs> not good. Sailors was well, it wasn't Boone's Farm. It was some kind of uh, it was it was strawberry. It was strawberry something from Boone's Farm. It was definitely Boone's Farm. Well, okay, at least you picked the best flavor. Yeah. That. Uh, well, the funny thing is I'm allergic to strawberries, real strawberries. I mean, of course, there was no chance of anything real being in that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but the funniest part of the story, and I didn't remember this until you asked me this question, is that we decide we went to we heard of this this town and I'm going to call it a hick town. Be, for there's a lot of reasons why it wasn't a very nice town that's why i'll say that outside of a big city and um they had a drive-through liquor store i think oh, texas yeah. still has these legal right oh Some kentucky states. does yeah oh okay oh, well, that's yeah. right that's right yep so it was a drive-through and i had my driver's license at 15 because i'm old and back then you could have it at 15 and um i decided to put glasses on so i looked older <laughs> That always works. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, I did not look even 15 at the time. Forget looking like I was 21. Um, But they sold it to us. and uh... (laughs) Oh, I love it. I know. And I just thought, oh, boy, look at me. I'm serious stuff. And we had changed. I had – this is hysterical. I forgot about this, too. My grandfather helped me um, change my license to say that I was 21. <laughs> because what a guy! Wow, he was he was literally the best. But it's because he, he was too lazy. He wanted you to go to the store for him. <laughs> no, not at all. He wasn't even drinking at that point. <laughs> he believed my grandparents were very fun people, and they both loved dancing. And I was a dancer, and also that was my favorite thing to do was go out and dance. And you couldn't get into any of the damn clubs, even if you didn't want to drink, right? And you just, and I think they felt like, well, at least she'll be like doing that instead of doing who knows what, which is, you know, we all know what you're afraid of teenagers doing if they have nothing else to do. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially when they're running around the streets of Harlem. Absolutely. <laughs> in the but, 80s. In the 80s, yeah. Yep. Um, so, but 
truly, I think it did save me from doing a lot of bad stuff. Um, and so he was, he helped me change it so I could get into clubs so I could dance. And, um, so I remember us like peeling it back, like we changed the date and then ironed it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I just have this vivid memory. So I was super cool. Cause I had a fake ID. <laughs> so oh, I that, would buy the as a teenager, that was the coolest thing you could do. Would, would oh, be by far. Have a fake ID or smoke cigarettes or ride a motorcycle. If yes. You, if you had all yeah. three, you were a god. Yeah, I couldn't do the cigarette. I would always try to smoke and it just didn't stick for me. Thank God. <laughs> I didn't, I would forget about it, you know? <laughs> right. So I couldn't be cool that way. Um, well, I, I had, yeah. I, I was, I was two of the three. I, I had the motorcycle and the fake ID. Oh. Yeah, but I couldn't do the cigarettes either. No, it no, just I could, didn't. I couldn't do it. Couldn't just, do it. It just wasn't for me. Um, no, but you know same. what? You know what made me not so cool though was my first bottle of alcohol that I bought was I'm almost I I ninety percent sure that it was De Kuiper Apple Pucker. So oh, that God. takes away a lot of cool points. <laughs> that is oh boy. Yeah, that is just heartburn <laughs> in is, a bottle. Yeah. yeah, that stuff is that I used to drink that too. I used to drink. Mad Dog 2020 because it, I feel like it was like five dollars. And what else did I? Oh, god, this stuff! I can't even imagine how I'm alive. This, I mean, maybe we were all like embalmed or something because we drank that. Stuff. <laughs> it's amazing maybe what it your bodies like can do when you're young, <laughs> right? Yeah, just put it through all I, kinds of I torture. Mean, God, if I drink too much now, I'm screwed for like two days. Forget drinking garbage like that. And I drink the good stuff. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, the only time I didn't feel too bad about about drinking apple pucker as my first bottle um, was as I, uh, I was hanging out with uh, Fred No and, uh, and his son, Freddie No. Um, this is a few years ago now. And I was... Well, actually, Fred was telling stories about Freddie to try and embarrass him in front of the group. We're sitting at a bar drinking <laughs> and he's telling old stories, trying to embarrass Freddie. And uh, one story he told was how when Freddie was 14, um, he caught him uh, stashing empty bottles of De Kuiper Apple Pucker under a tarp on the back of a pickup truck that they had. <laughs> Yeah, and so he was like, "God oh, damn, Freddie thinks he's a, he's a bourbon expert now." This boy was raised on apple pucker, so I was like, That's "You know what, hysterical. me too. We've got something in common there, buddy." <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's too funny. Oh my god, I love it. Yeah, so you know what? Maybe it. yeah. Me and Freddie, we took the same. Our palates took the same route in life. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty so, much. So, so Sailor, why, why don't you tell us about your first job in the alcohol industry? Oh, my goodness. Um, so my first job in the alcohol industry would have been as a server. Um, back then, we were called waitresses. And um, I feel like it was either the state I was in or I don't know what. There wasn't an age limit to serve it. I don't know if it was the time. I don't know if we had those laws yet or what, but... Um, I remember someone asking me and I worked at a stupid, uh, 
Mexican-American chain Crapola restaurant. Someone saying, what kind of wine or what kind of wine do you have? And I went red and white. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy looked at me and, you know, screw him for being in Chi-Chi's and giving me this look like, know know your audience, idiot. Like, don't give me a shitty look. (laughs) So um, he's like, I mean, what varietals of red do you have? And he literally said varietals. And I just (laughs) stared at him blankly. Then I was like, I don't know. Let me check. And so I went and asked the bartender and he goes, we have red wine and white wine. And kind of with like a get out of my face. And I'm like, what kind of red wine? And back then, the bartenders were scary and like they were in a much higher position and you didn't bother them or interrupt them. It was like such a hierarchy back then, you know? Yeah. So me asking him too many questions, I could get yelled at, you know? Right. Um, And I'm like, well, what kind of red wine? He's like, (sighs) and he didn't even know. He goes and grabs a bottle, looks at it and says, it's a blend. And I'll go back to the guy and I go, we have a red blend. And he's like, that's it. And I'm like, yep, that's it. And so this is my first memory of feeling stumped and I didn't like it. I did not like it. Ingrained into your memory. So ingrained because I am. So I was definitely one of those very annoying kids that would ask why if you if my mother tells you this oh my god she's like everything but why but why but how but why but why that's always been me i'm curious sorry i have the worst allergies right now and i'm trying not to uh, blow my nose into the microphone um so i had to know why and how and i didn't like being stumped it pissed me off so i asked if I could see the bottle and I look, I read the label and everything and wrote some notes down, basically what the label said. I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't even really understand what to know about the wine, but at least I knew the name of the brand and what the bottle said, like a blend of, you know, citrus and, you know, stone fruit and whatever, you know, marketing stuff they say. So I decided I was going to tell people about this wine And my wine sales went up, which is really funny um, because it was just garbage wine. Imagine that. Isn't that so funny? Being educated. (laughs) I know, right? Makes the sales go up. It does. (laughs) But I I didn't really know what – I was just excited I knew something. So then um, I really wanted to get – to. I really wanted to be a bartender because they made more money and they could – boss people around and were scary and I thought well certainly that has to be the ladder you climb right so I finally got myself transitioned to a cocktail waitress in the bar room because it was a separate room and that was like I'm moving up in the world Um, so I had to have some basic knowledge and they threw me this book which man I wish I had this um, I saw recently someone posted online the original, I think it was Ruby, it was either TGI Fridays or Ruby Tuesdays, their original cocktail book. It was oh, like a guide, but it's a giant a book of beauty. from the 80s. And it is, it is, I have to tell you, like, I was so impressed with what was in there and all the classics. And it was a lot of the stuff was like so correct and so spot on. And then of course there was the crappy eighties drinks in there. But, um, so I got something similar to that. 
it was very heavily um, focused on margaritas because it was a Mexican-American restaurant. Uh, I hate to even use the word Mexican. It's like a Taco Bell, but fine dining. Um, <laughs> right. um, so I learned a whole lot about tequila that I never wanted to, knew, to know because I've never been really a tequila person. Um, so one day, the bar, one of the bartenders, I can't remember if he broke an arm or a leg, and um, I just happened to be standing at the bar with, with our GM and uh, people talking about it. And I just chimed in, I'll, I'll help out. And I got the dirtiest look from the two bartenders that were there. Like, oh, but you saw you your moment. You oh, I totally saw, saw your my moment. moment and you oh, just, I did. Yeah, you went oh, for I it. Oh, I did. They gave me the shittiest look. Like, how dare you even suggest you can come behind this bar with us? So the GM looked at me and he was like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I can carry ice. I can do, I can wash glasses. I just started thinking about the stuff that looked like something I could do. Right. <laughs> you know? um, I was like, I can do this. I can do that. But I don't know. Teach me. And so they kind of had no choice. And so they decided to put me behind the bar um, and they did it on a super busy night on purpose. I know they did. This dude, I can't remember his name, would never admit it. He ended up, we ended up kind of being friends, but he wanted to see me tank. He was hoping, like, we're going to put her on a night that slammed and she's not going to make it, right? Right. But I was smart, and um, I decided to do the beer orders. <laughs> wow, on your first day? <laughs> well, I didn't know how to make cocktails, oh, right? I didn't oh, know yeah. how to do any of that. So if I saw tickets come in, it was like three beers. I was like, that I can do. Duh, that's easy, right? Okay, yeah. So I, I was able to get like, I would just slam those out like super fast. And then I would say, oh, there's two margaritas that came in on this service ticket. <laughs> so the, the other bartender would make the margaritas. And I just watched him do it over and over and over. And finally, when he wasn't paying attention, I took a service ticket and made the margarita myself. And he didn't see. Oh, and it went move. out. There was no complaints. I was like, oh, God, please. I was sick to my stomach. Like, don't come back and <laughs> complain. So, for my garbage margarita that, by the way, was a margarita mix. Let me just oh, tell yeah. you, oh, I'm sure it's a margarita be. mix. Yeah. Like, don't I don't even want anyone to think that I was squeezing fresh juices and using like a homemade um, a triple sec or anything like that. No, I was freaking out over pouring mix with tequila and shaking. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, I thought my my time is limited here, right? Because eventually this other dude's going to come back. So one day I came in early and the bartender that didn't like me was like, okay, we need to make a bunch of jello shots. So that's what you're going to do. And I was like, okay, I don't know how to do that. He's like, figure it out. So I went in the kitchen and because I was a food server, the kitchen guys were super nice to me because I was always really nice to them. And uh, they showed me how to make jello shots. And I was like, wait a minute. You can combine flavors. Ooh, this is fun. And then you can put different alcohols in them. And then, oh, my grandmother suspends grapes inside our jello at home. <laughs> I could do that too. <laughs> yeah, you can make them pretty as well. Yeah. So I did. I started making, so I figured out a margarita jello shot. And the RGM and the guy behind the bar couldn't help it. They're like, this is kind of genius. I'm like, you're damn right. It's genius. This is my moment. And that was the turning point. <laughs> that was it. That's wow. how I became a mixologist. Uh, that was your first mixology 
<laughs> was margarita jello shots. Yeah, yeah. Man, I mean, ahead of the curve at the time. <laughs> it was very ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, so much so that people were afraid to try them. But then when they did, they were like, this is genius. Um, I mean, it does not take brains to figure out, just blend some jello flavors. <laughs> but um, I made them layered and everything and really pretty and cool. And um, my boss was like, I'm not paying you the extra time to do these. And I was like, that's fine. I'm just, I'll come in and do it myself. You know, I was in college at the time. Yeah. So fast forward, I finally end up going to a real restaurant. I get into fine dining and that's typically where you're going to hear people like us pick up knowledge and and really start to advance. Um, You have to have a lot of knowledge to work in fine dining. And um, I went into a steakhouse and I am I'm a vegetarian. I always have been. And I lied in my interview. Of course, I wasn't going to tell them I was a vegetarian. Um, so we would have what's called a pre-meal and that's like a little meeting with the chef before every dinner shift. And he tells you about the specials. He tells you, you know, if there's any fresh fish or, um, if there's, I don't know, different cheese on the cheese plates. And he would tell you about the special steak of the day or whatever the hell it was. And I would listen to him and write every single thing down that everybody said about it. Everybody would take a bite of it and taste it. When I would write their comments down and it took about a couple months actually for people to realize I wasn't tasting any of the steak. <laughs> I got away with it for a really long time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was it was hard, but um, I sold it after my first 30 days. I won a sales contest. I sold more steaks. I'm so sorry to the cows than anyone else. And finally told my manager and he thought it was the funniest thing he had ever heard of that a vegetarian was selling more steaks than anybody else that is the (laughs) irony (laughs) and he was like you know how are you doing this and i'm like well i'm just listening to what people say it tastes like and i can smell it and i can touch it and i have a I have an understanding of food and flavors, and so I figure it out. You know, I could I could explain different textures, and I would ask the chef tons of questions. And of course, chefs love being knowledgeable, so they were you know, the chef was all about telling me about these steaks. Um, and then we were taught about the wines we had. We were taught about the whiskeys that we had, you know, things like that. And that's when I started to learn food pairings, and I finally um, made friends with a bartender that was. She was so ahead of her time and so genius. She, her palate was incredible. She had, um, speaking of vodka, so many different vodkas on the shelf and they were all different, you know, uh, mash bills, grains, um, her potato vodkas. You could blind test her on them. Mm -hmm. And we used to do it all the time just for fun. But she would tell you what spirits went with what steaks and what flavors. And I would just listen to her and watch her do this. And she was a phenomenal educator. So when I asked her if she could help me learn, she just said yes immediately. Um, and I, I, I have to say that that's probably, it's probably due to her. It really launched my curiosity and my obsession with the science behind things and flavors and um, honing my palate and sensory. And I ended up going into wine for a very long time. I ended up moving to Europe. I, I went through a couple levels of psalm training and um, became, you know, a food and beverage director and became, you know, a bar manager and um, eventually a beverage director. 
um, and was kind of lucky that when I came back to the States, it was the cocktail boom. I was in San Francisco. I was in New York City. So I was right there when that was happening, which was really exciting. Um, and, you know, all the classics were being brought back and people didn't know what they were. So you you kind of had a lot of freedom to play with them. And um, it was pretty easy to build a name that way. Um, worked in a brewery for a while. Um, a friend had opened a brewery and um, just kept going back to whiskey, though. It, there was something about whiskey that I just kept getting drawn back to and drawn back to. And finally um, met these wonderful people um, that own a farm in Southwest Ohio. It's a historic farm and there is a historic distillery on that farm. The original distillery is in ruins, um, but it's still, the bricks are there. They haven't touched it, still halfway standing. It has um, the oldest grist mill um, in Ohio. And I think one it's the oldest in the, one of the oldest in the country. It's the um, last standing intact um, agricultural farm complex in the country. Wow. Um, so it's a great, uh, so what they've rebuilt in Mount Vernon is still standing on um, Indian Creek on the Staley Mill Farm outside of Dayton, Ohio. Oh, wow. Um, and it has the second oldest double copper pot stills that are still in use in the entire world. Uh, proper providence has been done on all of this because the family wasn't sure you know. Um, so I got to help them. They were rebuilding after prohibition. It was shut down. This is all the family for, ever did for many, many, many generations. And um, when distilling was legal again in Ohio uh, for commercial purposes, they decided to uh, see if they could revive this family business. And they did. And I am so incredibly uh, honored to be a part of that story. Um, and that's really what launched me, I would say, into coming back to whiskey full time. I would spend all my days off um, doing every single distillery on the bourbon trail. <laughs> I would stand in the corner. I've probably been to Freddie Johnson, like, I don't know how many tours. Yeah. Oh, God. There's going to be like oh, 50 so of them. It maybe. never gets old. Come on. <laughs> it never gets old. Never. And finally, one time he was like, don't I see you like every week here in the corner? <laughs> And I'm like, yes. Freddie um, finally was, fucked up the courage to ask you. Right. <laughs> because um, he's so the, short of courage, right? I Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is before you had to like book tours with Freddie months in advance, by right. the way. Um, and uh, just went to like every distillery class. Anytime a distiller or anyone from a distillery or a brand ambassador was speaking, you know, my suppliers, when they would come in, I would be like, hey, can I buy you lunch? so that we can talk about stuff and I can ask you for a litany of information. And you know us, we're like, yes, God, yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, so then I, um, I, I had to move back to the Boston area and um, just went out on my own. I, at this point, I had been doing um, whiskey classes for industry folks and just for the consumer and um, cocktail classes and cocktail training. And I was writing whiskey menus for a lot of bars and restaurants all over all over the U.S. actually. Um, and uh, became a tasting specialist um, in, the, in New England for William Grant & Sons, which was so amazing because I got to gain a lot of knowledge about scotch that I didn't have before. 
Depot is very American whiskey focused. And um, then when I came out West, I found myself without a whiskey home and <laughs> came across the story of Uncle Nearest on Facebook and uh, Facebook messaged Fawn and um, was like, you have to hire me because I have to work for you and you need me to work for you. <laughs> I don't know who needs it more, but one of us, both of us needs it. <laughs> so she was just like, okay, here's Kate's email address. And so, uh, so she felt the vibe immediately, just like you did. <laughs> oh, I no think so. I, I don't think I was giving her email. a choice. <laughs> right. It was one of those. Yeah, I was be I was I was just like, I'm here. Right. It's sailor. You need me to be a part of this. <laughs> you know? Right. So um Kate and I got on a call and instantly just had first of all, we both talk at the same speed of light. Um, I would love to record the two of us having a conversation without thinking about it. Because we're both like it's hysterical. Um and and we had just gone through some similar things in our personal lives. And we were both like, why am I sharing this? <laughs> it's just, you know. Um, yeah. And so that's how I came to Uncle Nearest. I uh, I saw journey. that there was a need in the Pacific Northwest. And I was like, I'm going to fill it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was perfect timing too. I, it, yes. it just all the all the stars. And you know, it's such a common theme in our company that all the stars align. Um, yeah. And that's just, just another example of it. You know, I'm, let me, I'm going to backtrack just for a second. It's, you know, it was <laughs> so cool that I, I picked up on in your story uh, that I kind of forgotten about uh, was that there is, uh, for a lot of people, there's a kind of a moment in your, your career that's kind of game changing that, that stands out and you you remember that moment and it, it can be the most inconspicuous thing. Um, right. But it, for some reason triggers something where you're like, wow, I, I, I need to, to do something. Um, yeah. And you know, years down the line, you can look back just like you can now and say, wow, that was one of those moments. Um, and so when you were talking about it, it kind of <laughs> made me remember um what was like a really big moment for me um it was after i had left uh the job with mktg and crown royal um then i went to run a bar in in louisville and it was a pretty whiskey centric place um and i obviously had to meet all all my reps because i'm you know the new guy and so they all wanted to come in and meet me introduce themselves uh, and whatnot, and the most memorable person that came in to meet me was a lady by the name of, uh, at the time, her name was Jane Connor. Uh, her name is Jane Bowie now. Um, and I don't. What a great name. Yeah, great name, great human being, <laughs> and uh, she is a riot. So uh, now Jane is the director of maturation for Maker's Mark, uh, but yeah. at the time. She was the Maker's Mark brand ambassador for Kentucky. And so I, I was, I just, I'd come out of college, uh, been working in that job with Crown Royal for a year, uh, then went to go run this bar. So I'm still super green, but you know, I'm young. I think I'm super cool because I just yep. had this like <laughs> great job uh, coming out of yep. college. Now I'm running this bar all these reps are coming in to meet me and tell me 
how much cool stuff they're going to do for me. So, you know, I just think I'm the coolest guy on the face of the planet right now. And, uh, <laughs> and then this rep from Maker's Mark comes in um, and she introduces herself in her very unmistakable gravelly voice. So she says, hi, I'm, I'm Jane Connor. This she would kill me right now. Oh my God. I was just going to say, she's going to kill you. <laughs> so she, uh, so she introduces herself. So she says, hi, I'm, I'm Jane. I was like, nice to meet you. I'm Richie. And, um, you know, we talk about a couple of mundane things and she's flicking her hair around. She's wearing, she's wearing this, this brown, like duffel coat, uh and she's wearing this this hat that has a it was either like a uh a bunny or a cat face on it and it had like bunny ears sticking out the top of it i remember it so vividly that moment uh and um and she asked me so you know what 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 are you who are you what have you been doing i told her i know i work this this job um then she's like oh so you know about whiskey and i was like yeah I know about whiskey. Like, oh, all right. So you really know about whiskey. And, and if you, anyone who has met Jane will know that she is not scared to tell you exactly what she thinks. She, her level of customer service is the most beautifully terrible I've ever come across in my life. Oh, it was wonderful. So she asked, oh, this is, you know, we just met. And she's like, oh, so you know about whiskey? I'm like, yeah, I know about whiskey. She's like, oh, so you, you know all about Maker's Mark? I'm like, yeah, I know about Maker's Mark. So well, what do you know about Maker's Mark? And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> and she's like, all right, well, what do you even know about bourbon? And I was like, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> she said, well, can, can you, this is in the first, bear in mind, this is the first time one of my reps has come to meet me and she's grilling oh, me God. like this. And she says, well, can you even tell me what the, makes bourbon bourbon? And I was like, uh well it's got to be made in kentucky and she's like wrong <laughs> god you don't even know about bourbon anyway all right so, uh, so and, and i and i would just that moment then i thought i just came to me, i was like wow um i'm not very cool i thought i was really really cool and this lady just took every single call point I thought I had away from me in one sentence. Um, so that for me was like a turning moment. Then I was like, you know what? I, I need to know everything about whiskey, about American whiskey, about Kentucky bourbon. Uh, I need to know it all. And that was like a huge changing point for me. And I, I you know, and those moments very, very vividly stick with you. And me and Jane went on to become great friends. Um, and I'm, you know, now I'm really good friends with her husband too. And, uh, and they're both obviously doing fantastic. So, so that's like that guy asking me, what kind of wine do you have? Kind <laughs> like of I, I just felt so um, disappointed in myself. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what kind of wine Chi Chi's has. What's wrong with me? Right. Hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, but you don't forget moments it. like that. And you no, know, not. I bet everyone out there, um, you know, our, our ambassadors for sure, but everyone, whatever career path they're in, if if they had a, a goal to be successful in their career path, I think everyone has one of those moments where they think, all right, um, maybe I'm not as cool and, and good as I thought I was. Let, let's buckle Absolutely. down. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thanks for sharing your backstory. Um, Richie, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to how we fumbled into the most amazing 
whiskey brand in the world and um, how we got here today. And as we said early on in the show, we are so excited to bring you all the super new, new content and um, really cool guests, um, live virtual spaces. So stay tuned for all of that. And until next time, I guess we just say cheers. Yeah. Cheers, everyone. Enjoy um, all of your delicious American whiskey on your home bar. Um, and you know what? Maybe end the night with an uncle nearest. Your choice. Yeah, I agree. Cheers. Cheers. This is Sailor, and you're listening to a Spirit of Rock Podcast Network show. Find this show and many others at www.spiritofrockpods.com.